0: You're listening to the Bible Nerd Podcast, a weekly show where we're exploring the world of the Bible, helping you fall more in love with Jesus, and building a thoughtful defense for the Christian worldview. I'm your host, Steve Schram. Welcome to the show. Well, hello, my friends, and welcome to another episode of the Bible Nerd Podcast. This week's episode is going to be a little different than usual, but something that I'm really excited to share with you um, and just talk about because when I have you know, having grown up a church for a very long time and uh, being saved at the young age of four years old, it's really um, interesting how different your experience of life tends to be from those who come to the faith later on in life. And really what's interesting is having been really interested in apologetics and things of that nature since around 2015 or so literally more than 20 years into my time as a Christian and just only then, you know, really coming to experience that. Um, it's, It's some things that I've observed and just wanted to share with you about four reasons to be thankful if you happen to be the kind of person like me who met God early. Because if you can relate to where I'm coming from, then you know what's up here. It's like, you, you've you felt that, you know, during testimony time at church or whatever, when, when somebody's sharing about their radical conversion out of atheism into Christianity. And it's like, well, I don't have that. So am I really, like, and sometimes it allows you, or not allows you, sometimes it unfortunately makes you even question your faith and say, did I really have some genuine transformation? And so just to give my quick testimony very quickly, I was saved in Sunday school. Um, the preacher's wife led me to the Lord and I was four years old at the time. Um, and right now I have a four year old and I have a five year old who of course was four, um, not too long ago. So I, I I quite know what it's like to have a four year old and you know, I'm, it's It's really conflicting in a sense because sure, like you know, I know what a four-year-old is like. and to be honest, it's hard uh, to imagine being saved at that age. It really is. And yet, uh, I at the same time feel very strongly as though I was. And I honest to goodness, have felt since that time, even though I've messed up plenty, of course. Um, I've honest to goodness felt as though I was walking with the Lord and I had the Holy Spirit living in me and I have been able to discern right from wrong and, and make good decisions when others were making bad ones. And for all of that, the problem is that I don't know what it's like to experience a conscious, radical transformation from in a sense, being dead to being alive. And I've always been kind of resentful of that, okay? Um, As I got older, as I started to realize that others had this radical transformation of faith, and I didn't have a story like that. It's just hard to remember. Now, again, having had plenty of three-year-olds by now uh, and another soon-to-be, I do know that three-year-olds can be quite troublesome and definitely sinful. But but having some conscious recollection of that is obviously difficult uh, for most people. You know, most people don't remember what's going on when they're three years old or younger. Um, So, how do we deal with that, right? How do we how do we look at? And of course, the other corollary here is that Scripture talks about something called, or at least people think it does. they, they call it this notion of childlike faith. We're actually going to unpack that a little bit. You know, what really is that? Is there a such thing as childlike faith? If there is, what is it? Can we have it? Should we have it? How do we have it? Did I have it? Did you have it? We're going to talk through those sorts of things. Okay, before we dive in, I just wanted to give you a quick reminder that I have started doing some writing again over at BibleNerdSociety.Substack.com. Go check that out. Uh, Get signed up for the newsletter there so that we can send you content as soon as we create it, and uh, that way you'll have everything that we are uh, creating on a regular basis. Okay, so what is childlike faith? What is it? Um... We hear it talked about quite a bit. Where does it come from? Now, this is actually one of those things that um, we have, you know, Christians at large have sort of latched onto uh, without maybe giving it much thought. And the reason I say that is because we tend to give childlike faith a a definition or at least the way we think about it has something to do with like gullibility almost in other words a a faith that doesn't question and i cannot find that notion especially even as it relates to children um at all in in the scriptures so the the bible doesn't really speak of a childlike faith proper but what we do see is jesus sort of using the example of a child's humility, not his gullibility. Okay, and and this makes sense as well. We're going to talk about this, but this makes sense because we don't anywhere see gullibility held up on a pedestal in Scripture, do we? At, At various points, there is evidence, especially in the New Testament, you know, Jesus provides plenty of evidence for... Him being who he says he was, whether it be through miracles or, uh, and, and actually miracles was the primary uh, way because his ministry and mission was to the Jews and the Jews required a sign. And so his, his miracle working and the kinds of miracles that he performed and the context in which he performed them um, were sort of his divine um ID card, if you, if you will. And, and so Nowhere does the biblical writers give this notion of, well, you should just take it for our word, or you should just believe without having any reason to believe. So we don't see that anywhere in scripture. In fact, we see quite the opposite all throughout. So it wouldn't really make sense for Jesus or, you know, the disciples or anybody else to hold. The, a, a child's gullibility up on some sort of pedestal and use that as a model that we should follow. And so that it's always puzzled me where this idea comes from. And it turns out if you look at the passage that what's going on is this particular child's humility is being praised and exalted not his gullibility, it's his his humility, it's his willingness to submit, it's his willingness to say, I don't know the way, will you show me? And the passage in question here is Matthew 18 verses 1 through 5, Matthew 18 verses 1 through 5, so I'm going to go ahead and read that to you. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, so who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a small child and had him stand among them. Truly, I tell you, he said, unless you turn and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child, this one is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes one child like this in my name, welcomes me. Now, if you get the idea from this passage that Jesus is holding sort of the gullibility of this child up on some sort of pedestal, then you'll have to explain to me where this comes from. I'll be honest, I'm not even sure that in this context, I see anything at all related to the notion of faith proper. Obviously, it does take humility to submit in faith to the lord. And so perhaps that is what is in in view here um when Jesus is talking about the humility of this child. And I think that probably makes the most sense. So what we're not what we're not talking about here is oh you should lay aside your questions, you should lay aside your reason, you should lay aside your logic and just trust. What we're talking about here is Okay, God has given us all of those things to be used. But what's in view here is we need to be humbled. And we need to realize that unless we come to Jesus and say, Jesus, I need you. I need your help. I am humbling myself. You are the king of the universe, not me. You know better than I do. Until you do that, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven. That's Jesus' point. Entering the kingdom of heaven... Becoming a Christian, having the uh, power and the right, frankly, to live in eternity with God comes as a result of one humbling himself before Jesus. So I would almost like to say, why don't we redefine this as something like childlike humility rather than childlike faith. Another thing that interests me about this, having children and having worked with children is that we know children are super inquisitive, okay? Almost to a fault. Um, It's really exciting actually because my kids have started asking lots of questions um, and good questions too, especially my six-year-old. He is starting to ask some just super insightful questions and specific questions um, as it relates to Yeah, faith in general, but also even specific things that we like to talk about, like the flood and dinosaurs and stuff. And it's really cool to see those questions start to come up. And my goodness, how many times can you be asked why, (laughs) you know, from your children? And it's like, you know, your kids demand more justification for your actions and your decisions than almost anybody else does. So again, this is just further that like Jesus is not suggesting that a child is gullible and simply believes blindly and um, leaps into the dark without any sort of additional consideration. No, he's suggesting that if we will humble ourselves like a child, truly believe that Jesus can provide for our needs instead of puffing ourselves up, then we can enter the kingdom of heaven. And that is a completely different message than you usually hear. So looking at this idea then of of coming to faith early, like I did, I realized that some of you listening will be in this situation. Some of you came to faith early and you will be able to identify with me saying, you know, I just don't feel that transformation. Sometimes it doesn't feel, I don't remember that feeling of moving from death to life. But maybe you're, Not in that situation. If you're not, I promise, though, you probably know somebody who is, or maybe in in some sort of leadership capacity in your church, you might deal with somebody who is. So I think for those reasons, I'd like for you to continue listening. As we just talk through very quickly the four reasons that I have listed here that I I think it's good to be thankful that you met God early, or that uh, we can rejoice when somebody else meets God early. And if you have children of your own, that you should be praying that they meet God early. So reason number one is that we have the Holy Spirit and a mind toward discernment, okay? We have the Holy Spirit and a mind toward discernment. Now listen, kids are going to (laughs) sin. Unavoidable, okay? Guess what? Adults are going to sin. Unavoidable, okay? It's going to happen. You know it. I know it. And yet, as an adult, as a regenerated person, you do have the Holy Spirit, and you feel, at least you should, the Bible seems to indicate that most will, feel something of the Spirit working in your life, and, and, and a lot of times that manifests itself in a mind of discernment, understanding right from wrong, understanding profitable from unprofitable. So we have the Holy Spirit if you're a regenerated person. So do children who become regenerated. And so how amazing is it to think that the Holy Spirit can begin that work in a child's life and in a child's heart to start really just orienting them heavenward, frankly, orienting them toward the things of God, helping them make right decisions. And I can, I can look back in areas of my life where, look, I mean, certainly I was not a perfect kid. I'm not suggesting that at all, but frankly I got in a lot less trouble than some other people because sure enough, I just felt that some of the things that they wanted to get into or do were not right. They were not with the Lord Wanted and it wasn't just oh my preacher said Don't do this or my mom said don't do this or my Grandparents or whoever it was no This is like God has Spoken to this issue And he's spoken against This action that I'm Being asked to take and I need to stop Um, And so having The ability to think that Way even as a child And then of course as you move into your Teen years etc is uh, Invaluable It's incredible, and it's more needed in today's world probably than ever. Okay, reason number two is that uh, God is able to work on our hearts from a very young age. And you might think that uh, that sounds similar to the first reason, and it is similar, but I am getting at something a little different. With the first one, I'm mostly talking about our actions and our decisions, Okay, with this one, I'm talking about that the actual heart orientation towards the Lord, that that part that is not so much based in decision making and logic, um, but is more about our emotional connection with the Lord. The earlier that that can be fostered, the earlier that a desire to read the Bible, like I'm really seeing in my six year old who who is who is saved, I'm seeing this desire to to read and study the Bible and learn more in him that I don't remember ever having myself, just to be honest, it's pretty incredible. And and, and now, does he sin? Absolutely. Does he get in trouble every day? Multiple times. And sometimes it's very frustrating. Um, and yet, it is easy to see in some circumstances where the Lord is working on his heart You can see just little glimpses of that. And uh, I'm looking for more and more every day. And I think that is something that's incredible and should not be taken for granted. The fact that God has all this time to work on the heart of a child, to orient the child toward Him. Um, We should be so thankful if we were in that situation. And we should be praying that others would be in that situation. I think these reasons and i guess this is a, a, an overarching point i should make i really feel as though these reasons any one of them frankly is enough to outweigh some lack that we might feel of, of not having this feeling of this radical transformation it's more important for god to have all this time to work on our hearts as a christian i think than to just have this feeling for to satisfy our own emotional curiosity so that's reason number two. Okay, reason number three is that in many cases, we're spared from the heartache and trouble that those saved later in life often experience. So in the business world where I come from, there is sort of this idea of the overnight success. And it's it's fascinating. It's like You don't see, like when you say things like you look at another family who maybe has some nice things or, you know, they've grown a successful business or whatever, and you say something like this, well, that must be nice. When you say that, that betrays any knowledge of what it took for them to get there, of what heartache and, and hardship and struggle and trouble and sleepless nights and penniless years they endured to get to that place. And I think if we were to think about it, we would see something very similar going on here. In that, you know, I know some some folks who were saved later on in life and of course they, you know, I look at them and I say, "Oh, you know, wow, it must be really cool to be able to look back on that moment of transformation in your heart and and see that difference between who you were and who you are now." And many times their response startles me because it's actually like, man, I wish I had gotten saved. They are envious then of me. They're like, I wish I'd gotten saved earlier. I wish I hadn't made those mistakes. I wish I hadn't experienced that heartache. I wish I hadn't experienced that loss. I wish I hadn't ran away. I wish I hadn't rebelled. And of course, I've already caveated this many times, Christians, will still make mistakes. Christians will still have an experience of sinning against God. But I would argue that when you're saved, truly saved at a young age, you are in many cases spared from lots of the heartache, trouble, and experiences that that those who were saved later in life had to experience as a result of their sin and their rebellion against God. And that makes a, a, a huge difference. So that's reason number three. In many cases, we're we're spared from the heartache and trouble that those who are saved later in life experience. Okay, and then the last one, reason number four, is, and I love this, it's it's so simple, but how amazing. It's just the ability to walk with God for most of your life. (laughs) The ability to walk with God for most of your life. I think of a friend of mine from uh, the church that we used to go to. His name is Monty. And Monty was a... Good old boy, um, you know, raised in North Carolina, born raised, you know, lived his whole life in the, you know, the, uh, the backwoods, so to speak of North Carolina. And um, this dude was, I mean, thousands upon thousands of dollars of drug deals every single week. Um, An alcoholic, total drug addict. I mean, he was that guy. You know, he was the guy in town that you'd look at and you'd think, "There's no hope. There's no hope for money." Well, um, a, a, just a couple years before I had met him, and and again at that time, you know, he would have been in his fifties, I believe. Um, he was gloriously saved, and he would invite me to sometimes go to um, you know, like revival services and stuff with him, and and we would. And, you know, so we got to talk a little bit and uh, it turns out, you know, his mama had prayed for him for 40 years, (laughs) over 40 years. She prayed for him to come to the Lord and he finally did. And definitely he is one of those examples of someone who had told me that they wish they were saved because of all the heartache, all the trouble, all the struggle. They wish they had been saved earlier. But I'll never forget one time him just specifically mentioning from the pulpit. By the way, God called him to preach. He's a preacher, um, and just man doing amazing things for the Lord. And I'll just never forget one time that he said, "You know, I wish that I knew then what I know now. You know, I wish that I had that ability to walk with God for all that time." You know, he finds himself jealous of of, of kids and teenagers who who find the Lord and. They get all this time to be a Christian, to experience life with God. And the amazing thing about being a Christian is that you're already going to live forever and you get to go live in eternity with Christ. And so uh, fortunately for Monty, there is literally an infinite eternity of spending time and walking with the Lord. Um, But the point is well taken that 50 years on this earth, 50 plus years on this earth, without the Lord is a very long time. It's a very long time and it can be very discouraging, I'm sure. And so I am thankful that I didn't have to experience that. I am thankful that the Lord has allowed me to walk with him since the age of four years old. And I I don't ever want to take that for granted again. And I want to remain thankful for it. So, so two takeaways. Look, if, if you're like me, and you are fortunate to be saved early. Embrace that. Thank God for it. Um, keep striving to know him even more intimately because even a lifetime of study will not unveil half the riches of God's word and God's love and God's grace and God's faithfulness and his patience. It would take an eternity to understand all of that. And so fortunately we'll have that. Um, but if you're fortunate to be saved early, embrace that and thank him for it. And then number two, the, the second big takeaway is this. If you do have children, pray daily for their salvation at a young age. It does matter. It does matter. Um, but also, don't force it, okay? Like, you know, you don't want to force it. You want to make sure it's genuine. You want to make sure it's from the heart. You want to make sure, it, frankly, it's from the Lord, Um You know, you don't want to force it on them and, you know, force them to pray some prayer. It's not about that, but definitely pray for them. Pray that the Lord will work on their hearts every single day. And uh, I believe the Lord will um, eventually honor that request. In the case of Monty, um, that request wasn't honored for more than 40 years. Hey, are you willing to pray for your child for 40 years? That's a tough question. It's a tough question, but it's worth it. It's worth it. Thank you, guys. Again, I told you a little bit different episode on the Bible Nerd Podcast, but hey, this is just as much about being a Bible nerd as anything else is. Um, a Bible nerd with no relationship with the Lord um, has work to do. I'll just put it that way. Okay? And um, by the way, I'll raise my hand first. You know, it's a, a constant struggle, right, for me and I know for a lot of others who are more geared toward the intellectual side of faith um, to, to keep that relationship healthy with the Lord. But it's just as, if not more important. And um, hopefully that uh, today's episode, I hope that today's episode helped you a little bit uh, along those lines. All right, God bless. Appreciate you guys. Thanks so much for letting me hang out for another episode of the Bible Nerd Podcast. We'll talk to you guys next week. Peace out.